Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Before you sit down, look at your neighbor and tell him it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And you can go ahead and take your seats. Amen. How many know it's good to be back home? Amen. <laughs> uh, we've been out pioneering for two months now, uh, and God is on the move. Amen. Uh, uh, so we're, we're excited. I was just excited to get here. I just wanted to come for the worship and everything. Then pastor says, no, you're going to preach. You know, I said, all right, let's, let's do it then, you know. But uh, nevertheless, you know, it's good to be back. It's I mean, we're good to hear our worship team. Amen. Good to see the people here. Amen. And we've been out there two months, and, and we still haven't found a house, so pray for us. Amen. We're praying for a house. So every Sunday, it's about a 12-hour turnaround drive for us, you know, going to Fresno and coming back. But nevertheless, we're in God's perfect will. Amen. But we're going to jump right into the word. Amen. Tonight. Amen. So I'm going to have them. I brought some props. Amen. Something new. Don't get worried. Somebody's like, where are we going? <laughs> First Samuel chapter 10, verse 20 through 22, the living Bible. And it reads like this. So Samuel called the tribal leaders together before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by sacred lots. Because remember back then they used to draw lots to see who they were. Verse 21, then he brought the tribe of Benjamin nearby its families, and the matriot family was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken, but they looked for him, and he could not be found. Verse 22, therefore they inquired further of Yahweh, has the man come here yet? So Yahweh said, behold, he is hiding himself by the baggage. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, God. Lord, I pray I step aside and you use me, God, to teach, to preach your word tonight, Father God, that we could understand that we got to stop hiding behind our baggage, Lord, and fulfill the call of God that you called us to do, Lord, that we no longer sit still, God, and say, I got this, I got that, but God, we rise above it and we come out from the baggage, Lord, and God, we're careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, and everyone said, amen, amen and Amen. Baggage. And, and so the scripture said, let, let me give you a little history here. Saul had already been anointed king. And so he was at the place. And remember how he got anointed king? The people wanted a king. God was their king already. But the people wanted the king. And the Lord said, okay, if you want that, I'll give it to you. And, and so the Lord anointed Saul for king. He, okay, Saul, you're the one. You're here. You're the man. But the scripture said now when it came for him to step up to the place he needed to be, it said he was hiding behind the luggage and how many know the baggage it can be our issues right. right our baggage can be things that we can start saying God you can't use me because I got all this baggage here and that's what Saul was doing so we're going to look at this and and I want to bring it from a different perspective amen look at your neighbor and tell him God set you up tonight because we all got baggage Oh, don't look at me like you ain't got baggage. We all got baggage. Some got more. Look at your neighbor. Some got more. Some got less. Don't say nothing. Just look at them. Amen. And so Saul had been anointed king, and they began to look for him, but he hid himself behind the baggage. You can imagine Saul. He was there. The Bible said he was taller than everybody. He was handsome, 
right? Some of you are talking about me. No, we're not. Look in the mirror. Come on. But anyways, it says here, he was handsome, so now they, Saul finds himself in a new position, where now it's a spiritual position, and he's hiding. How many know that's the way our church is in transition right now, here? God is moving. God sent people out, and now people are like, yeah, I know God's called me, but I got too much baggage. So God, I can't step out yet. I'm not ready. How many of us say that a lot of times? God, but you can't use me, God. I'm still struggling with this, God. Or, or God, I'm not good enough. And, and so the first point I want to bring out here is God does the choosing. Amen. How many thank God for that? Because we wouldn't have chose ourselves, man. If they would have told me back then, when, uh, man, you're, you're going to be a preacher, I would say, you're crazy. I got too many issues. You know, so God does the choosing. Now, that definition of choose means to have picked one thing over another. So when God chose me, when God chose you, he picked you over somebody else. So that means if God picked you, that you're special. You're special. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're special. Some of us need to hear that tonight, that you're special. God chose you. God didn't make a mistake. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 31, the Amplified Bible reads like this. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected, then in parentheses, it says, for his purpose, the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing the frailty. Then verse 28, God has selected for his purpose the insignificant things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are, verse 29, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, verse 30, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God, and sanctification, meaning making us holy and setting us apart for God, and redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty of sin, verse 31. So then, as it is written in Scripture, he who boasts and glories, let him boast and glory in the Lord. See, I like the Amplified because three times it says, for his purpose. God chose us, God chose you, not for your purpose, but for his purpose. How many know that we have a mandate here, amen, in living word, amen, reach, teach, men, and sin. And so when God chose you, he said, man, there's only people that you can touch. Only people that you can witness to, that you can minister to. He chose you with a purpose. Some of you say, no, you didn't. Romans eleven twenty nine, the Amplified. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. In parentheses, it says, for he does not withdraw what, what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. So what that is telling us here tonight, God didn't make a mistake. He chose you because he, he has something special that you can do. But a lot of times we look at our baggage and we get comfortable with our baggage and we serve the Lord with our baggage. And now the baggage they have, they got wheels so you can maneuver it. I'm happy walking around with my anger. 
I'm happy walking around. You know, it's not holding me down. And, and we walk around with all our baggage. And, and the Lord would say, no, I didn't call you. I called you to release your baggage unto me. That way you can fulfill the call of God. Because if you hide behind your baggage, all you're going to see is, God, I can't do it. God didn't call us to fill anybody's shoes. He called us to be yourself. My wife's laughing because I said, choose. <laughs> he called us to be ourselves. And when you realize that, you're able to say, man, God, I'm myself because you created me. I'm myself. Those of you that know me, I'm myself. I like to joke around. I like to do things. But I take the things of God seriously. And I try to be like other people. And God says, no, I chose you, the knucklehead, the fool. And I, when I realize that, I'm like, oh, okay, then, you know, let's go. <laughs> I got to get out from hiding behind my baggage. I still think crazy. Hello, somebody. I still get angry. I still feel like socking up people, right? But God says, in spite of that, get away from your baggage and let me handle it. In other words, check your baggage in with the Lord. You know how when you go on an air flight, big luggage, you got, and it could only weigh 50 pounds, right? Or else they charge you more. I mean, our, our, our baggage will always cost us more. We don't release it to the Lord. Let me give you some examples. You look at Noah. He drank too much, but God used him to build the ark to save the world. Genesis 6 through 9, chapters 6 through 9. He got drunk. But the Bible also says when Noah, when he came off the boat, the first thing he did was build an altar. After he built the, the, the altar, the Bible says in the verses, uh, probably about 12 verses down, it says he built a vineyard. How many know that when we build altars, we got to keep the altars first? Because he built the vineyard, selfish, and what happened? He got drunk and his daughter slept with him. How many know when we do things out of selfish motives and we stop building altars, it goes wrong for us? When we build altars, we're able to come out from our baggage. And we're able to say, God, I, I know I still got issues. I know I still got baggage, but I'm going to give them to you. And if I give them to you, I'm not going to go back for them because I know you're shaping me and I know you're molding me and I know you're the one that called me, God. Other people will say God made a mistake, but God, I know you don't make mistakes, God, because there's men and there's women here and there's power couples here and there's single parents and single young people that God's called to change not only this church, not only this city, but to change the world. But you got to get out from your baggage. You look at Abraham and Sarah. The Lord said, hey, I give you a promise. You're, you're going to have a baby. They were already old and washed up. But God used them to build a nation. So it don't matter if you feel old. Keep doing what God's called you to do. If God gave you a promise, don't let your baggage get in your way. You look at Joseph. He was a teen. And then all of a sudden, he was his dad's favorite. Remember, they gave him the coat of colors. So those parents that say, you ain't got favorites, you got favorites. Amen? Free 99, amen? Let's go, let's go on. But it, they gave him the coat, and what happened? His brothers got jealous, right? And then all of a sudden, they, they put him in the pit, right? Potiphar's house, and then prison, before he got to the palace. So what was happened? Joseph didn't stay behind his baggage. He continued to go forward. You look at Moses. Moses, he was a stutterer. But yet God used him. Oh, God, I don't know how to spoke. That's what he was saying. I don't have no education, but he did, you know. 
You look at Rahab. She was a prostitute who God used to help the spies. Remember when they overtook Jericho? She put the scarlet rag there, and all of a sudden, now she's mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. So you look at all these people. Jonah ran from God. Uh, you look at Peter. He was the quitter. He quit on God, and God went to him where he was at. And, and Because how many know when you run from God, God knows where you're at? You can be in the church, and you're running from God. God's called you to stand up. God's called you to volunteer. God's called you to do something great. And you're like, no, God, I I already messed up. I say the wrong things like Peter. God is going to go right where you're at. And like he told Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. Three times. How many times does God got to call us to do what he's called us to do? See, so we can see here that there is literally nothing we can do to disqualify ourselves from being a candidate when God chooses us. Nothing we can do is going to disqualify us. Because the Bible says he loved us when we were at our worst. Our worst. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember when you were crying to get into the home? Please. And they said, no. Then you had your mama called. And then now you're in the home. Now you're complaining. You got quiet, huh? (laughs) Do we remember where we were when God picked us up? Remember where we were? Some were doping. Some were doing good, but you were lonely on the inside. And God says, no, I chose you. You're special to me. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30, the Passion Translation says, Brother and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. Verse 27, but God chose those whom the world consider foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless shame the high and the mighty. Now, now if you're small, that's not teasing you, the puny. It just says the puny and powerless. And then it goes on. It says he chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eye. How many of us were laughed at when we told him we got saved? Oh, you now you're going to be a holy roller? And they, oh, you're not going to make it. And then it goes on and it says here, for he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. So what it's saying here, when we connect to God, amen, we're no longer fools, amen. We're no longer dummies. We are a, a child of God, amen. We are ambassadors. He's given us authority. He's given us dominion but you can't walk on it if you're hiding behind your baggage some have little baggage right i got a small baggage it's not that bad it's still baggage and sometimes we don't understand that you know some even have smaller baggage it's coach it's cute Whenever I want to lust, it's okay, it's cute. It's baggage, anger, pride. Oh no, but I look good carrying this. It's not that bad. But how many know it'll destroy you? 
And when you understand that, you're going to say, God, I got to get out of my baggage. I can't hide behind it no more. God, I, I might have been comfortable. God, I, I might have been thinking I'm all messed up because I still make wrong choices. And the Lord is like, man, you need to understand when you give it to me, I'll give you the wisdom. I'll give you the strength to overcome, but you have to use it. Don't go to the liquor store if your thing is drinking. You go in the liquor store on a hot day, and then the beer's calling you. Psst. <laughs> then you look at it, you see the things dripping down. I better stop. Huh? Some of you are like, man, I need to. And then you're like, God, help me. God is saying, you, sh- you shouldn't have came in the liquor store if your thing is drinking. Oh, I don't smoke no more. I just go around people that got, are smoking. That way I can breathe it in and get contact. <laughs> and you justify it. I drink O'Doul's. That's only 1%. How many know 1% of sin will still get you in hell? But we want to hide behind our baggage. My dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. I've always been like this, but I'm doing better. I'm doing better than I was six months ago. But how many know God didn't save us and give us authority just to do better? He gave us dominion to have breakthrough, dominion to set us free. He's given us power that we no longer have to go back to it. But a lot of us like to hide in our baggage. Three things baggage will do. It'll block or blur your vision. When you hide behind the baggage, you can't see everything that God is trying to do in your life. I'm not that bad. I'm going to church. You know, I'm doing good. I pay my tithes. I smile, I say hallelujah. I don't cuss at church just once a week, you know, when I'm home. But I'm do- you still got baggage and you're carrying it around. Nowadays, the baggage, look at the wheels, man. You can do everything with the baggage. And some believers walk around with, ba- oh, I got, I got the luxury one. I carry my baggage everywhere and it doesn't, it doesn't even hurt me no more. But it's still baggage. It'll block and blur your vision, meaning you're not, you will not see clearly what the Lord wants to do through your life. How many of us understand what God wants to do in our lives? When you understand that, you're going to be willing to pay any sacrifice. Whatever I have to do, God, I'll do it. Right? Some of you were like that in the world. For the connection, whatever you had to do, you did it. Some of you were at the club. Whatever you had to do, you did it. Last call for alcohol. (laughs) Filled up your table, right? With drinks. If you like dancing, you danced. You heard me say it before, and if you had heels and it broke, you still dance. You didn't care. You were doing your own thing, you know? <laughs> Why? Because we were sold out to what we believe. And we hide behind our baggage because you don't see your full potential. You may be saved and anointed, but you still have those things that hold you back. We must remember that God didn't make a mistake when he chose us. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God didn't make a mistake. But this is the problem. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Amplified Bible. But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings, and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness, absurd, and illogical to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. 
When we carry our baggage, when we hide behind our baggage, we don't understand God's call. God, I know every time they preach on the call, I feel it here. But God, I don't, I don't understand it. It seems absurd. That word absurd means ridiculous, unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. I wonder how many are feeling like that tonight. God's challenging you and God's saying, step up, volunteer, do this, do that. But it's absurd. God, this is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. And then he goes on in the same scripture and talks about absurd and illogical. Illogical means lacking sense or clear sound reason. Because for us, if it doesn't make sense, we don't want to do it. God, how can I go to a city and do a work for you? It doesn't make sense. How many have ever been like that? The call of God? God, how can I fulfill the call? It doesn't make sense. I'd never graduated from school. Man, I, I don't like people. Hello, somebody. <laughs> right? That's why you volunteer in the children's and the nursery and everything else because God gives you love. Oh, some of you guys just turned me off, huh? <laughs> See, the Lord did not intend for us to carry our baggage. When things are blurred, you make excuses. There's so much opportunity here in the church today. Amen opportunity to rise the question is are you rising or are you making excuses because you have blurred vision i can't do that oh that's too hard they want too much from me what because you want to be in leadership they say you got to show up to church you watch every game from your sports team and you don't have a problem with it but now come to no i don't want to go to church the only time you come to church is when it's hot because we got good AC in here, you know? <laughs> you make excuses. Let's look at a few people that made excuses. Adam, the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. After they disobeyed God and they ate from the tree of knowledge of good, God came looking for them. And when he asked Adam if he had eaten the tree, Adam replied, the woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me it and I ate it. Excuses. From the very beginning, the woman you gave me. God is calling couples to be power couples. But sometimes you're afraid to step up because you say, oh, my spouse is, if my spouse was better, I'd serve you all the ways. You sound like Adam. Maybe I made a mistake, God. I know you don't. Maybe I did. Some of us try to justify that. I made the excuse. I married the wrong. No, you didn't. You just don't want to change. You want to make excuses like Adam. Adam made two excuses. The first one, he blamed me by saying the woman who you gave me. How many know his excuses didn't change the fact that he disobeyed God and he suffered the consequences? Oh, God, if my husband was praying more, if, if they would only see him at home, uh, because at church he's different. Oh, if my wife would stop nagging me and she keeps going on and that's it, I'm done. Blaming your spouse. Instead of just saying, you know what, I got to pray more for myself. You can't change your spouse. Only God can. Your spouse doesn't complete you. Only Christ does. If you're looking for your spouse to complete you, you're always going to walk around and feel incomplete. Christ completes us. And then when you get together at one, it says she's your helpmate. She helps you fulfill the call of God on your life. But too many times we want to make excuses. He blamed me, but shows how he, he, he didn't want to accept the responsibility for his actions. 
The woman you gave me, God. Before you gave me her, me and you were close. We walked together, the air was blowing, and I talked to you, Lord. Now the woman you gave me, she messed us up. She just baggage, Lord. <laughs> she just baggage, and now I got to carry this around, God, and it's your fault. Because she's making me act different than when I was with you. Because he ate the apple. Oh, she, she gets my, 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 to the juggler, so I just got to cuss her out. Then you blame your wife. The Lord is saying, no, I'm, I'm showing you what's in you. For we can get rid of that baggage. How many still with me? Because too many people say, I can't fulfill the call. It's the spouse you gave me. And all you want to do is pass the buck. And when you blame, uh, when you want to blame people, you, we always have a habit of blaming those close to us. It's their fault. He directly blamed God, the second one. After he blamed his wife, he said, man, God, it was the one you gave me. Adam knew that God had given Eve to him, but instead of acknowledging his wrongdoing, he made an excuse for his disobedience. The one you gave me. I can't fulfill the, God, the, the call of God because all she does is nag me or all he does, he's not even praying. He's not even reading. He's not, and God is saying, that's my part. All you got to do is step out from your baggage and let me work on them. Don't start praying, oh, God, pray that they change. They're the devil. They're not the devil. When God looks at your spouse, you know, he says, man, that, that's a, a, a woman of God. That's a, a man of God. And we're, oh, God, you gave me the devil. No, they may be acting like the enemy, but they're not the enemy. Amen. And we have to understand that the enemy wants to keep division between the couples because they won't fulfill the call of God. How many are still with me? What about Saul? In 1 Samuel 15, 24, God commanded him, completely destroy the Amalekites. And what, what Saul did, after the time Saul said, I, I, I have, and, and then they told him, and Saul spared the king and some of the best livestock, it says in 1 Samuel 15, 24, claiming he did so to offer them as sacrifices to God. When Samuel confronted Saul about his disobedience, Saul said, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, your words, because I feared the people and obeyed your voice. In other words, the people made me do it. That's what Saul was saying. See, the anointing was on him, but he disobeyed God, and he blamed the people. I kept the king. I kept all this. And, and, man, and, and so Saul, he, what he did is he was fearing what people thought about him. I mean, no, we'll never fulfill what God has for us if we want to always think what people think about us. People ain't going to like you. Some days people are going to love you. Other days people are going to hate you. I mean, that's okay. Just do what God has called you to do. Your friends that don't want to go to another level, they're going to hate you when you say, I got to go to church all the time. Why do you got to go to church? You don't have to be there. They just brainwash you. Yeah, we need our brainwash. Somebody could say amen. He feared people. We often make decisions based on what others think of us rather than what we know to be right. We need to remember that God's commands are more important than the opinions of others. God's commands. What about Jonah? When God called Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh, he ran in the opposite direction. If you read the story, it says that he paid a fare to go the opposite direction. I mean, no, we're going to pay a price whether we're serving God or whether we're running from God. When you run from God, you're going to be miserable all the time. You'll be mad at everybody. 
It says he ran from God. And then if you read the story in Jonah chapter 1, 12, when the storms came, because it said God caused the storm because he was running away from God. God says, I got to get him back because I chose him. I wonder how many storms you may be in tonight because you're running from God. And God said, I allowed the storm because I need to get you where I chose you to be. And then it says there in Jonah 1, 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. See, Jonah wanted the easy way out. Just throw me overboard. How many of us are like that when God's called us? Oh, God, just forget about me. I'm all messed up. I'm never going to get it together, God. Man, just, just forget about me. And you do mistakes on purpose because you think God is going to forget about you. I got news for you. God is not going to forget about you. Some of you have tried to backslide. And God said, no. You go back and, and you mess everybody's buzz up. So they said, get out of here. Go back to church. Right? Because, because if you read the whole story, it says when the storm came that all the people on the boat threw their, their big old boxes, their livelihood out. So when you run from God, you not only affect yourself, you affect the people around you. Oh, God, I'm not ready. What happened when he jumped? They threw him overboard. A big fish swallowed him up. You know what I call that? Grace and mercy. How many chances had God given us through his grace and through his mercy when we just wanted to take our life because he said, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's too difficult. God, let me. I'm always messing up. Just throw me overboard. Then three days, he was in the fish's mouth. Then he repented. Amen? He repented. And then where did the fish leave him? Back at the place where God chose him to be. That's why some of you are back in church tonight. Because God says, I chose you. Amen? I chose you because there's something specific I have for you to do. What about Esther? Excuses. She was there and she was reluctant to approach the king because it was against the law to come before the king's presence uninvited. And then Mordecai kept telling him, you need to go. This is your time. That's where they get the thing for such a time as this. Ladies, this is your time for such a time as this. And then Mordecai tells her, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. He's saying, if you make excuses, you're going to miss God's best for your life. And how many know that's what excuses do? Some of us, God, I can't serve you because my kids. That's just an excuse. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, stop making excuses. Philippians 3, 15 and 16, the message translation. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. How many want everything God has for us? Right? It says, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. See, it's saying if our vision is blurred, commit yourself. Totally. Not partial. Because partial obedience is what? Still disobedience. So now that we're on the right track, he's saying stay on it. 
God will fix our vision hall, and he says it here. He says, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. In other words, get committed, and God will, you'll be able to see what God has for your life. The second thing, and when we hide behind our baggage, it'll weigh you down. It'll weigh us down. God, I'm tired of carrying this baggage around, man. It's heavy. Every time I want to do good, condemnation sets in. Every time I want to do good, guilt sets in. Every time I'm striving, God, man, something happens with my children. God, every time I commit myself, it's like I get into a worse position. Hiding behind our baggage weighs us down. Hebrews 12, 12. The common English Bible says this. So then with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. It says, since we have such great cloud of witness surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage. Get rid of the sin that trips us off. Throw away the baggage. God's called us. God delivered us. God set us free. Why are we still carrying? Oh, because it's easy. It's got wheels. I don't even have to lift. It's easy for me. But it's still holding you back. The Living Bible, it says, since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around us. See, when we lay down our burdens and weight, it sets us free. Leave these. Leave the baggage. And my last point, when we have baggage, it, starts, it stops us from worship and surrendering everything to the Lord. It stops us from worship. See, surrender is a heart problem, not a hand problem. It's the heart. Amen. Everybody lifts up their hands. God, I surrender to you when you're in church. But what about when we leave church? Are you still surrendering to God? Or are you hiding behind your baggage? Job 11, 13 through 19, the Living Bible says, Before you turn to God and stretch out your hands to him, get rid of your sin and leave all iniquity behind you. He's talking about baggage. Verse 15, only then, without the spots of sin to defile you, can you walk steadily forward to God without fear. Only then can you forget your misery. It will, be all, it will all be in the past, and your life will be cloudless. Any darkness will be as bright as morning. You will have courage because you have hope. You will take your time and rest safely. You will lie down unafraid, and many will look to you for help. See what that's saying? we got to let go of our baggage. Just here, these are the words that were spoken to Job by one of his counselors, and this is the point in every person's life that we need to stop resisting God and yield and surrender to him. One thing uh, to think about, God gives us the choice whether to surrender to him or not. He's not going to force us. Some of us is like, God, just force me. He could force us to surrender. He could make you submit. He's God, but he doesn't. He simply offers himself to us as a choice. Here's my power. I could take your baggage but you have to give it to me. He offers his love to us as a choice. He already paid the price so that it is actually easy. All we got to do is come to him. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is freely put our faith in him and trust him. 
You see, God doesn't want you to submit to him like the prisoner of war. Too many of us surrender to God like we're in wartime, we're prisoners. Okay, God, I'll give you this because I'll surrender, God. I'll volunteer, God, because, man, uh, 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 that's just what I have to do. That's a surrender from a prisoner of war. It's like when the cops pull a gun on you. I surrender. Don't shoot. God said, that's not the surrender I want. He wants you to surrender to him in love. In love. God, I love you. And because I love you, I trust you. God, I don't know what you have for me. Some are here and, and, and you got your baggage, but you got to come out from hiding behind it. You got to say, God, I'm going to trust you because when you trust them, it's going to be easy to leave this behind. Because remember, you got baggage. How are you going to lift your hands to worship? You can't. Your baggage is here. God, I, I want to worship you. I want to surrender to you, God, but I got this baggage. And God is saying, all you got to do is let it go. Let the baggage go. Lift up your hands and say, God, I need you, God, because I cannot do this by myself. How many understand where I'm coming from? Surrender. God is saying, I need you to surrender. When you surrender all to God, God takes your all in his hands. And he says, man, I got you. God's got you. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what baggage we have. And he said, but I chose you. I didn't make a mistake. I seen you at your worst. Yeah, you're struggling, but you, it's not your worst. Just get out from hiding behind your baggage. That's all. Surrender. Oh, I don't have a big baggage. Yeah, but it's still in your hand. Oh, but I look cute when I'm over here flirting. I look cute when I get one sip. God is saying, no, you can't get to the next step unless you let it go. You can lift this hand up and worship and receive, but you still have this hand closed. He says, I need you to let all baggage go and say, God, give me everything you have for my life. I'm going to close with this as everyone stands. You read the story of Saul. When he, the Lord told him, kill all the Amalekites, he didn't. He didn't kill them. And you say, yeah, but why did the Lord do that? Because some, for some of you, God is saying, you got certain baggage and you don't want to let it go. Well, it's not that bad right now. But if you read 2 Samuel chapter 1, you read the, the end of the story of 1 Samuel, it says Saul and his son fell on the sword and they died. Do you think that was it? But if you read 2 Samuel chapter 1, it says there was a man and he came to David and he says, man, the, the king and, and Jonathan are dead. And David asked him, how do you know? He goes, because he was laying on his sword. He wasn't dead and he asked me to kill him. David asked him, who are you? He says, I am an Amalekite. Saul couldn't see it back here. He didn't think it was that bad. I got the king. I'm going to pick his mind. Oh, I saved all the calls because uh, we can feed our army. We got to stop justifying our baggage and say, God, now is the time to let me uh, let go of my baggage so I can fulfill the call of God on my life. Don't let the Amalekite take you out because you can't see that it's really bad for you. Oh, that relationship is not that bad. Oh, that compromise is not that bad. God is saying, no, we need a generation of men and women of God that rise up and say, God, I'm going to be sold out for you.
doesn't mean we're perfect. We all got baggage. As long as we're on this earth and this body, we're going to deal with our flesh. I mean, some of us need to go, thank God. But the key is surrender. And then after David said, heard he was a Malachite, you read the Bible. David got the sword and chopped him to pieces. See, nobody can kill your Malachite but you. And you got to come out from the baggage. I don't know where you're at tonight. Amen. But I do know that God is calling this church, the mama church, to rise up. Oh, but you don't know my, it doesn't matter. God chose you. You don't know my situation. It doesn't matter. God chose you. You don't know what I struggle with. It doesn't matter. God chose you. Nothing you can do will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Stop hiding behind your baggage.